And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. <laughs> Hold on. I'm back on Creepy Co. Hold on one second. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to your favorite show of all time, Under the Radar. With me, as always, Derek Van Riva. I just came up with a question. Um, since it's just the two of us, who does the Ariel Cohen voice? <laughs> I think it's going to be you, since you came oh, up with it. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe Tough nobody. Break. Maybe we'll give the people a break from the Ariel Cohen voice. A one-week break. Why don't you play the George Washington Ariel Cohen thing that Ian's been begging you to play for two months? The pickleball Ariel Cohen <laughs> skit is pretty funny. You listened to it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I like all uh, things pickleball. I like the Ozempic commercial because they play pickleball. And I don't even know what the drug is for, but... I want to take it because it means I get to play more pickleball. Uh, so if you uh, haven't figured it out yet, Ian Kahn is not here uh, this week. Just me and Diver are. Diver, let's do it. I miss him already. <laughs> there's, there's just like dead air. Just uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for him there. to say something. Wait, 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 guys, wait, hold on, wait, wait, let me just, you know, let me just. Gary Sanchez, don't like how he grooms his eyebrows. <laughs> there's your fix. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so today's show, we're actually going to get to the DH stuff, I think, unless we get sidetracked, which we might. I know people think DVR and I aren't the sidetrackers, but we can be if we're just the two of us. Sometimes Ian's the one who tells us to get back into the swing of things. Sometimes. Sometimes. I tried to get it out of my system before we started. I think I did. I think you did. I think you did some, some ideas. Anyway, let's get, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into this before we, before we continue that conversation. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into some guys, uh, now that we've had a week, I guess, to really think about it. Some guys who, uh, who you know, the DH status in the National League is going to probably up their value. I do want to start with this, though, DVR. Um, I, uh, I did the, uh, the Turn 2 podcast today with the Matt Williams show. Um, and uh, the, the show was AL West themed. And it was, you know, he asked us to come with an overrated, overvalued hitter, undervalued hitter, overvalued pitcher, undervalued pitcher, and a guy we like late. And I could fill everything out except for an overvalued hitter. And I just wanted to bring it up here because going through the AL West teams, I could not figure out an overvalued hitter. And I don't know if I want to put that challenge to you, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but, um, you know, you go through each team, you go through Texas, and I'm going, you know, there's not really anyone on there who I think is overvalued. No one's really reaching for any Rangers. Then I go to Houston, and you're like, you know, Bregman's stock is down. Correa doesn't know where he's going. Yeah, you know, Altuve, everyone's down on Altuve. You can get him for a steal. He's really undervalued. Um, Michael Brantley, I don't know. Uh, you know, you just go through team by team, and you're like, I don't think there's anyone there who's overvalued. Jared Walsh, Shohei Otani, they're great. They're perfectly valued. Uh, Marsh, perfectly valued, you know? Um, Seattle, I think some people might not like Kalenic and where he is right now. And I think he's like 180p, maybe 80 and 80p. But, I mean... Is that overvalued? I don't think so, man. He's supposed to be a stud. Julio Rodriguez? I don't know, man. He's supposed to be a stud. Like, I don't Tell me who's overvalued in the AL West as a hitter. Yeah, I saw this on the rundown, and my first thought was, wait, there's not an overvalued hitter in this entire division, but you are 
kind of on to something. Like I, I don't know what it is about this group. If it's the uh, the sign stealing scandal stink on the Astros, where there's a few guys that are cheaper than they should be, or if it's the you know, the injury for Alex Bregman coming off the wrist injury that's kept his price down, it keeps him from being overpriced. I think Kyle Tucker. To me, he's a legitimate first rounder. Maybe you could pick some nits and say he's more of a second rounder, but is he criminally overvalued? No. I actually think Oakland might have one of the more overrated hitters in the division in Matt Olson, but Matt Olson's good. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Matt Olson's a bad player. I think right. Matt Olson's the kind of guy that I I don't draft at his price because I like other players in that range and I see similar players to him going a couple of rounds later that's going to change the Pete Alonzo Mattelson comp is very obvious and people are, are already correcting for that so yeah I think in in general you're right I think from a, a projection standpoint I know Derek Cardi was tweeting about the bat this week and the system really liked Marcus Simeon this time a year ago and relative to where he goes now it does not like Simeon. So I think maybe you could make an argument that based on projections, he's a little overpriced, but do we think Marcus Simeon's going to be a colossal bust with an ADP inside the top 40 right now? I actually don't because he's going to play every single day. He's eligible at both middle infield spots. Uh, the counting stats are going to suffer leaving Toronto, going to Texas, right? There's a lineup downgrade there. Well, he's not just leaving Toronto. He's leaving, like, remember, they played in Dunedin for like their first half of the season, which was home run hitter's paradise. Yeah. Is yeah, it Dunedin? I, mean, I know it's not Dunedin. No, it's Dunedin. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never well, been there. Who uses that in a sentence in real life? Like, are you going to Fort Lauderdale? No, we're going to Dunedin for our trip. I don't I know. Read it. It. I read it. I don't hear people say Dunedin. It. Yeah, Dunedin. Dunedin. <laughs> Yeah, so Simeon, I, I I totally understand that as, as an argument. I guess if you said you have to pick one, I'll lean on the Simeon is overvalued because of all these changes that are out of his control. On top of having what appears to be an absolute smash career year last year where he would, even if he'd stayed in Toronto, we'd be expecting him to come back down to earth a little bit. He's going to have that plus a park change plus a supporting cast that's simply not as good as what the Jays had, even though the Rangers are legitimately improved. I also think of the stadiums out there. Like, it's not like you get that, you know, every division has that stadium. The West has pretty bad ones for hitters, I think. Right? Even Houston, when you look at the park effects, is not a good hitter's park. I, you know, I kind of always shrugged and thought it was, but it's not the greatest hitter's park. Oakland, not the, obviously not the greatest hitter's park. Seattle's a big park. Um, and the Globe Life, I, I think it plays worse than the ballpark at Arlington. I remember the first couple, uh, stories that came out of there a lot of players were saying yeah that ball does not travel well here yeah joey gallo was saying the park played big that guy's yeah, that got enough it. power to hit the ball out <laughs> anywhere if if he's telling you the park is playing pitcher friendly then something's a little bit off yeah you're right i mean it's it's to me a very pitcher friendly division uh, i think the astros do a good job of of finding guys and, and having an approach that sort of leans into the crawford boxes in left field look at where alex bregman hits his home runs it's something that Eno for a few years has said similar to what Brian Dozier used to do at Target Field. Wow. Target Field is not this great hitter-friendly park, but Dozier used to just pull everything. And if you pull the ball to left, it plays a little more hitter-friendly that way. So I thought that was kind of a strange observation. But yeah, when Garrett, remember when Garrett Cole went to Houston? That was kind of the time when people said, oh, wait a minute. Houston's quite a bit more pitcher-friendly than we've thought for these last several years because people started running calculations. Like I think Todd Zola had a big thread at that time. 
and it also boosts strikeouts. There's something about the batter's eye there where hitters strike out more. So that's well, I mean, strange. they also have the trash can too, you know. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like from like for opposing opposing hitters, right? Strike right, that, out did, more. right. That didn't work backwards like that, right? The K's park factor was a thing that had been overlooked there too. So anyway, yes, it is a pitcher friendly division just based on the way those ballparks play as a group. All right, thanks, Matt Williams, for letting us steal your topic for a minute. Um, that really was my topic off of his rundown, so you're welcome. Check out the Turn Two podcast; it's great, Matt Williams, <laughs> smart guy. Um, let me ask you this: How many drafts are you in the middle of right now? I'm in one, just one active right now. Best ball, draft and hold, draft and hold. Yeah, it's um, it's the first pitch Arizona speakers draft that we've done for a few years in round 32 right now. Are you uh, NFBC uh, on that site? Yeah, actually, Greg Ambrosius is the one that organizes it. So, yep. All right, so it's free. Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good walkthrough <laughs> to test out some things. What are you testing out? What happens when you don't draft a pitcher in the first nine rounds of a fifteen team league? What well, a starting looking. pitcher? Who's uh, your ace? Tyler Malley. Uh, who's your uh, real ace? <laughs> Who would you take after him? <laughs> Malley, Severino, Kershaw, Urquidy, Syndergaard, Means, and Luis Patino. Seven pitchers in the span of eight rounds. And then Wait, did I, I, did, I did take Ryan Presley in the fourth, so I got some saves. I think. Did you tweet that? Because I feel like I saw that group of pitchers somewhere. Yeah. yeah right. that, <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> it's too much injury risk. The more I've looked at it, I I think I should have gone safer with about two of those pitchers <laughs> instead right. of well, I've Severino built a gas can. and Syndergaard. I think if I could do it again, even though he was the cheapest of the bunch, I would have passed on Syndergaard. No, he's he's well. Yeah, I could. I think he's a stud, but I know people are worried about him not being able to throw sliders at the end of last year and being disallowed. I mean, that could have been just a, a way for the Mets to bring him along more carefully, and he could be he could be safer than Kershaw because Kershaw didn't come back at the end of the season. Like that's yep, it's an understandable argument, but for me, the risk on Kershaw is. is worth it because the payoff on a per inning basis he's still an sp1 on a per inning basis you're still going to get ratios like an ace you're going to get a k rate very close to a typical sp1 lower than the cole burns types at the very top of the board he's not gonna be like Degrom in terms of strikeout rate but era and the whip win probability all those things still line up like an ace so if you're only getting it for 140 150 innings I think that's fine where he goes because he consistently goes outside the top 150 right now. Now, if the price shoots up, then okay. I'll, I mean, he's I'll almost in the 200s things. in a lot. Yeah. Like, depending on when you start the date of the drafts and stuff. Yeah, I, I might get a zero. I mean, that's that's a, a known you, risk. I don't think you're going to get a zero. No way. If he ramps up in, in spring training, whenever that is, and, you know, the arm's a problem, okay, fine. I think it's going to be telling where he signs if he goes back to the Dodgers to me, that's a good sign. Like, they believe he's going to be healthy unless it's a two-year deal where it's very clear that they're doing the he's hurt, he's rehabbing with us, and we actually signed him for next year to keep him from going somewhere else. Like That's that's the concern. I can see that. Oh, man. You know, I haven't paid much attention because I'm not – I do this thing where if I'm not drafting someone, I'm not paying attention to him um, so much. Like I'm, I'm already dismissing him in my brain, so I'm not really digging too deep into it. Um, Maybe I should look at Kershaw a little bit. Seems like a guy who'll go to the St. Louis Cardinals. Just seems like a boring end-of-career guy who'll go to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals will squeak into the wild card, and that'll be that, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> By the way, shout-out to Russell from Armchair Roto, who was also on the show. 
I forgot his Twitter. I've been trying to look up his Twitter handle on the sly here. Armchair Roto. He's a good dude. He actually wrote into the show. Oh, wrote into the show um, a while ago and said something about not liking me when I was on CBS and then liking me. And like he played the clip because like Ian like vociferously defended me. Like, no, screw this guy. <laughs> it was a great moment. <laughs> I miss Ian uh, so much. Yeah, yeah we're, we're 12 minutes in and we've already talked about missing Ian twice. Uh, you know, because you know he's going to listen and we want to make him feel good. <laughs> he's going to see what he missed. <laughs> um, with this with this team, the way it's constituted right now, are you like going into your queue and picking players, you know, rounds, is like round 35 to 45 just going to be like 10 pitchers? Like, let me just load up with these guys at the back end because I need to, I need reinforcements because that's how I would do it. Yeah, I started to do that again, probably even a little earlier than that. Round 25 came around and I tried to get a second closer through a dart at Tyler Wells in the Baltimore bullpen. Like as the season progressed, he kind of made the move from we'll have you pitch kind of whenever we need you to, hey, you might be part of our late inning solution. So through that as a dart, but then I went Detmers in the 26th. Reed Detmers, I think, could have a huge bounce back. Mitch White uh, in the 29th, just kind of a sixth or seventh starter in LA right now, but doesn't take much for a spot to open up for him. Luis Heal, kind of the same situation with the Yankees, really good stuff. Maybe he doesn't have a job today, but all it takes is one thing breaking his way. And I think Guys like White and Heel could just be in the bullpen. They could Are you be. Taking, yeah, your that's that's one of your guys. Yahure. Yeah, so, oh, my bad. That that's a DVR special. I don't want to invent a player because I, <laughs> I going back to the the Zach Allen fiasco oh, a couple yeah, of years ago. Right. right? Zach Gallen. <laughs> I can't find Zach Allen in the player pool. Like no, no, it's Zach Gallen. Like, Shout out to Steve G. All the Steve Gs. That's right, Steve Jasul, Steve G, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg, he was in the big green. The thing about the pitchers I'm, I'm throwing darts at right now, a lot of the guys, they don't necessarily have a rotation spot, but they they are underrated based on the skills they showed last year in a smaller role. So I'm just hoping a couple of those guys break by way, and that will help offset some of the, the patience I showed earlier. And again, the offense is loaded when you wait on pitching like this. So the thing I'm trying to figure out now is if I can get enough hitters in the post round 30 range who will become multi eligible players. Cause a lot of the guys who already have multiple eligible spots, they're either really bad if they're still out there or they're long gone. So you have to look at guys like Taylor walls and say, okay, Taylor walls is a good defensive shortstop but they've got that wander guy there. And if they think Taylor Walls can hit it all, he's a switch hitter. If he can play good shortstop, he can play a passable or decent anything else around the infield. They like to mix and match and move guys around. I'm trying to find a collection of players like that to give me bench flexibility, which will also allow me to take more shots on my pitching. So I think because of the way I started this pitching staff, I do have to do what you're suggesting and really be more aggressive with pitching and to give myself that without hurting my hitter depth, I have to find those players who are likely to move around a lot more and pick up new positions along the way. Is everyone making this the experimental league, or is this just you going rogue? Nah, I think everyone generally tries to win. I think Jeff Zimmerman wins it about two-thirds of the time. And Well, if you're out here, if this is a laboratory to you, yeah, you take DVR out, you're only going to be 14 people now, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've, I think... I won one of the times that Jeff didn't. I think I might have even tied with someone one year to win it. So we've had this for a little while now. The main thing I try to do 
throughout draft season, I want to try a few strategies before we get to March. Because I care about these leagues. I want to, even even a league with no money on the line, I want to see if I did it right and figure out what changes I have to make to make the strategy better if I didn't do it right. And I feel like best ball 10s aren't deep enough for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just not as into that format. I, I think the 50 rounders are great because it forces you to look into players that even if you're not going to draft them in March in a league that only has you know, seven bench spots, a typical NFPC league, the 31 to 50 round guys right now are guys you're going to pick up on waivers at some point. Yeah, they're players that you need to know about. They're players that you are going to be tracking. They're watch list guys at the, at the very least later on. Um, so I, I think being Justin Steele. Yeah, yeah, guys like Justin Steele. I'm not going to draft Justin Steele in a 15 teamer, but if we get to June and he's in the rotation again, then he's probably in my lineup for a two start week. You know, he's a fab consideration at that point. Cody Morris. That's the other guy I was thinking of. I like Morris a lot. I, I think no one was talking about him at all last year. I scooped him up for nothing in a dynasty league. Yeah, I saw a friend of the show, James Anderson, talking about him or tweeting about him recently, too. And there's there's definitely some some buzz picking up on Morris. And Cleveland's success developing pitching clearly is going to, to push people to keep taking chances there. Look what they got out of Cal Quantrill last year. Look what they got out of Zach Plesak in the shortened season. We're going to get Anthony. How about Anthony Ghost? Yeah, I mean, Anthony Ghost always had that rocket arm. But yeah, it looks like he could be a key part of the late innings for them. I mean, there's. There's, there's a lot of ways this can can go right for Cleveland with the pitching. I think it's interesting that there's a new Logan Allen that's better than the first Logan Allen they have. So that's <laughs> going to lead to some AL only and, and draft and hold uh, chaos as well. Logan T. Allen is the, the Logan Allen that you actually want. Adrian Peterson all over again. Yeah, that's right. There were multiple Adrian Petersons for a while. Uh, let me. Th- I mean, if you're talking about a guy who only pitched 61 innings last year, had 93 strikeouts, a 1.62 ERA, a 1.00 whip, 13.7K per nine. That's insane, man. Yeah. And he's not on any prospect lists. Morris? Yeah. Yeah, Morris. Where does Ian have him in his rankings? I should have looked that up before, you know, weeks Ooh. ago. More, I'll I find see, out. You talk about him, I'll find out. On a top 400 dynasty list, I could see him just falling short. Like, for example, I know James likes Cody Morris. He's got him at 101 on his prospect list. If James Anderson likes him, then Ian's going to like him. Generally, that's a good idea. Because Ian respects other people's... But nope, I guess he doesn't. Nope. <laughs> Not found. Unless he misspelled Morris. Which is, <laughs> no, let me try M-O-R-I-S. No. That's, that's not what happened. Uh, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think a lot of pitchers in that range fall just short of a top 400 overall. Because you're still balancing winning now and with pitchers that are just on the brink. He, he'd be the kind of guy that'd be among the, the first players off the list that you'd want. And a lot of dynasty leagues, of course, go deeper than 400 players. So... That's the hardest thing about a dynasty list. You could, you could rank a thousand players for a dynasty league, and then you'd finally have a list that basically covers the entire relevant player pool. And then your mean Mercedes comes out and hits seven home runs in his first week. Yeah, and he wouldn't have been on the top one thousand. Right. So you'd be like, "How did I? On a, I had a thousand shots at this, and I still didn't have that guy." Yeah, exactly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, you want, hey, you want to talk DH? Speaking of, sure. yeah, I mean, I feel like we've promised it so many times, and now we're talking about Cody Morris. You're bringing up Cody Morris on the DH show. Redraft sleeper, he's good. I think so, man. Um, I, so they're the obvious ones. I went through basically every team. I went through roster resource. It's the easiest way to do it. We love roster resource. Um, and I just like you know picked up some guys who I thought might you know see. So I don't know how much you're gonna jump. I guess it's different for everybody. I don't want to give a blanket like they're gonna go up 40 spots, but like. Start with Mike Moustakis. I mean, a guy like Mike Moustakis, who has dropped precipitously in the rankings um, and an ADP, I think is going to have a nice bounce back up there. Uh, you know, he would just DH and bang home runs out of Great American Ballpark. DVR, like, Mike Moustakis seems to me, I mean, they bounce him around from second base to third. I think he played a little shortstop at one point. Um, I'm sure they'd ask him to play the outfield. But, like, now that he can just be like, yeah, I'm the DH, I'm going to hit 35 home runs. And 260. Am I am I far off on that? I think he he's had a pretty bad two year stretch from a health perspective. Injuries. I think he had a COVID situation for a little while, and it's really soured people on a guy that they liked when he first signed with the Reds. When Mike Mustakis signed that free agent deal with Cincinnati, there was excitement that he landed at another great hitter friendly park that would keep the home run totals in the the low to mid 30s. I think that was a realistic expectation. He had a three year stretch between 2017 and 2019 where he hit at least 251 every year. So I don't think he's as much of a batting average liability as we've seen in, you know, the 2020 shortened season and then in his injury plague 2021. Um, I, I like this a lot. I think the current playing time projections are a little bit light. So if we have Universal DH, you could see. Between Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez and Mike Moustakis, all three of those guys are very easily in the lineup together, and you're not forced to do something like play Jonathan India in the outfield, right? You don't have to make that extra move, which I think is really good. Right. The The Reds are stuck with the contract right now. I don't think there's any market for a team to trade for him, and that's a good thing for Moustakis from a park factors perspective. So I'm in. I think the ADP could jump, and even still... He's not going to become expensive. I mean, I think if you said he's going around pick 300 six weeks from now, I'm still interested at that price because you might get really nice counting stats to go along with that power so long as he's completely healthy. And I I think there's a reason to believe that he will be. He's only third base eligible. Last year, he came in second base eligible. So just something to consider. I mean, I don't think it makes a difference at this point. But yeah, I... uh... I don't know. I'm very intrigued. I think he's going to be on a lot of my teams because I think the same thing. I don't think people are going to go. Either, look, either people aren't going to go after him or he's going to become like this Twitter darling who's going to get hot like two weeks before. I could see him banging like six home runs in spring training and playing DH a lot. Um, and, you know, everyone, oh, Mike Moustakas, look, he's only 33. He's amazing and screwing up his value. That's why I like doing these drafts now. 
Yeah, I, I definitely feel the early drafts for sure. I'm trying to think about where I had him or where his ADP was when he first signed with the Reds that season. I mean, obviously 2020, we had the delay, we had the shortened season and all that. But where do you think the market was on him just two years ago before all this stuff? Uh, well, he was coming off, let's see, he was coming off... Monster year with the yeah. Brewers. Really good year. You're the rabbit ball, which at the time, you know, I think we were less hip to just how extreme that was. But he had power two years before that, too, in Kansas City, which is less hitter-friendly than Milwaukee. He's coming off 30, oh, 30, uh, 38 home runs in 2017 and 28 in 2018, hitting 272 and 251, respectively. He even stole four bases in that split season with Milwaukee. And then 35 home runs at the 254 average in 2019 with Milwaukee. So you're talking about a guy who's averaging about, let's say 30, I'll do the quick math, 34 home runs. Solidly 34 home runs. And then goes to Cincinnati. I mean, it was the COVID year. so I guess, But I'd say his ADP was probably 82. How about yeah, that? Yeah, you're, you're pretty much right on it. I mean, I've got some 2020 rankings, and I think the ADP probably looked at June, July before we started the season that year. ADP was like 86 in the NFC. <laughs> All right. Old ADPs are so fun to look at because it, it's such a good reminder that the player pool changes faster than you think. Like you look at the player pool every year and you have more players you like than you dislike. I think most people do anyway. I know that's how I play. I, I'm too I'm too optimistic. I'm I feel like I'm better at projecting bounce backs and breakouts than I am at projecting guys that actually decline. And I don't know if that's because I just don't want to project decline or if I don't know how to. No, I understand that completely. I uh, I am very good at projecting random breakouts and then nothing else, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, by looking at minor league numbers. That's my secret sauce. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I either, you know, like I stay, you know what I do? I stay away from like the Nelson Cruises like the second time. They turn, they turn 33, I'm like, I'm out. Uh, so I, I'm very good at projecting um, uh, drop-offs six years too early. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got problems. <laughs> uh, balance Dibbert, it out. Wh- what do you think of Brendan Rodgers? Is he the beneficiary in Colorado? I've heard a bunch I, of names thrown out. I just assumed that he would be the one. No, nah, I think I, he was safe anyway. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think so. I think he was their everyday shortstop because I don't think they're bringing Trevor Story back. Uh, I think McMahon can play second or third, depending on what they do. They have the prospect, uh, Ellie Reese Montero. Right. If they, think, if they think Montero's ready. McMahon moves back over to play second. If they don't, McMahon stays at third. Uh, so Garrett they, Hampson concern you at all? Nah, I think Hampson. I think Hampson's finally at the point where they've seen enough of him to know that he's just more of a first guy off the bench than an everyday player. So I, I think he's he's okay. Well, is is like, Hampson then the guy who benefits from the DH? Did I just have the wrong middle infielder? I don't. Gene McCaffrey don't, liked Hampson two years ago at least. Yeah, and there was. At one point, there was definitely more belief in his hit tool. I think the people thought he could be a good source of batting average, especially in that park, and it just hasn't it hasn't played out that way. I could see Hampson cratering less in terms of playing time because of DH. I don't think there's... I think Colorado's clearly, for me, one of those teams that several guys play a little more as opposed to one guy mashes. I'm a little more... I guess I'm a little more confident in CJ Crone not having to play the field as much, given all the the knee trouble and stuff that he's dealt with over his career. Right. So you could play Connor Joe a little more as a result of this. I think he becomes a little safer. The other prospects they have, Colton Welker is getting close. Uh, Ryan Valade's getting close. So maybe those guys break in. 
It makes Rymel Tapia a little safer. I know you like Tapia. I, I think everyone does at this point. I, I I've just landed on this place where I I swear I, I think he's uh, off, offensively he's a lot like Miles Straw. Defensively, Straw plays center field and he plays it really well, so playing time is more stable. But it, just in terms of his limitations and the things he does well, I think Toppy is a lot like Straw. So a discounted version. Oh, like a guy that plays in a really hitter friendly park. But yeah, I think I think we're talking about two or three guys all picking up extra time. Uh, who else could sneak? Sam Hilliard might be a little safer. I, I hoped that he would do more with the opportunity last year, but I think they're probably getting to the point where as soon as they see someone else that they want to play in center field, Sam Hilliard's going to start to lose playing time. His his window might be April or the first month of the season, whatever the first month ends up being. You know, uh, talking about this, CJ Crone especially reminds me of Greg Bird. He's not even on a team right now. Couldn't the Rockies grab him and be like, yeah, you're a DH. Way to hit 27 home runs last year for us in the minors. I thought Greg Bird was going to be good, and I think the injuries have just been awful for him. Well, I mean, he was healthy last year. I mean, he played a healthy season in the minors. For the isotopes. What was his WRC plus? Hold on. I'm, if you can hear the tapping in the background, I'm looking that up. Well, I'm not looking up the WRC plus. Are you, wait, do they have that for the minor leagues? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When you look up Greg Bird, where do you go? Baseball reference, babe. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know you go plenty, to Fangraphs, but I figure there. we balance each other out pretty well. If I'm on the, you know what? Though? Let me tell you something about Baseball Reference, and I love Sean Foreman, the guy who runs it. But I, I, like, maybe I'm too fast for Baseball Reference. I and maybe they're just too smart. I constantly click on that ad that pops up when I'm going to hide partial rows. Like, I click on hide partial rows, and like, there's a split second where the ad just sneaks in, and the whole page pushes down, and I end up having to, like open an ad and close it. So I gotcha. That's how they. That's how they do it. So, all right, a one seventeen WRC plus for all the ad traffic. I've been creepy co. They owe you an uh, extra four cents now. So Bird was twenty eight last year, and he had a one seventeen WRC plus at AAA. He's played at that level a little bit in the past. Way back in twenty fifteen is the first time he played there. It's <laughs> all rehab year old. stuff. It's probably all rehab. Yeah. yeah, like the brief stop he made there on his way to the big leagues. A one forty six WRC plus when he was a lot younger. K rate wasn't bad. Walk rate was good. Check out his check out his OBP. Twenty seven homers. I mean, I look I, if if you're Colorado and you're not going to spend money because why would you? Your team's terrible. You could do dumber things than adding Greg Bird on a minor league deal again, and then just seeing what happens and having Bird and Crone as your first baseman in your DH. Like I, I think it's defensible. All right, <laughs> I don't thanks, know how to say that you with for, Colorado. You're placating me. I'm glad Ian's not here. I think that would have gone sour. But what does that mean for us in terms of drafting? It means, well, he has to actually sign a deal before you can do it. And then you're talking about like round 45 or later in a draft and hold or one of your last reserve picks in an NL only league. That's that's about as much as you could commit to him. I thought, yeah, it is a little strange to me that like, I mean, you know, everyone's talking about spring training starting and like guys not on the 40 man and this and that. I mean, no one's even signed him to a minor league deal and he played a full healthy season last year in the minors. Defensive limitations, though, you know, like a guy that can only play first base defensively. Those are some of the last, uh, the last everywhere now chips to fall. Yeah, no, like yeah, it's it's a guy that gets a, a little more of a chance because of that change for sure. But I mean, it's a free look. Like if you're just any team, the Marlins, like hey, let's sign Greg Bird and just throw him in the spring training right now and get him going and see what happens. Yeah, I guess if on that team you've got you've got a DH who's been playing first base for a while and Jesus Aguilar. So I, I think. 
Like they they've had a DH for years, even though the DH hasn't been in play the whole time that Aguilar's been there. I think the question is how much do you want Luan Diaz to play? Like, do you see that guy as a well, I just an picked everyday the team player? out of I just picked the team out of uh, thin air. That's all. I didn't really mean the Marlins. They're getting better, and I think the the guy that I, I realized is undervalued on that depth chart is Brian Anderson. Brian that Anderson, he. he's pretty much an accumulator. He's never I've never been excited to draft the guy. Even when he's good, he's more of a fringy top two hundred sort of pick. So he's always undervalued that way. But he had pretty much like a three year stretch where he hit two sixty with a three forty on base. And a decent slugging percentage, probably like a 440 if you mash it all together. And because of injuries in 2021, people have decided he's just not good anymore. And I, I don't think that makes sense. Like they're, they're getting better, but they're not getting better to the point where they're not going to play him. Well, I don't think I think the problem is Brian Anderson, as you described, is just a guy that, you know, you depend on for playing time. And if he's not playing, then you just get sick of him very quickly. But I think if you're looking at this team with a DH spot, you play Aguilar there. You could either play Anderson at first. You could play Anderson at third and play Joey Wendell as a utility guy. You could move Jazz Chisholm to shortstop and play Miguel Rojas less. And play Wendell at second. Like the the pieces fit in a way where he's still going to play a lot. So a good accumulator. Another team that maybe doesn't have one guy that collects all the extra playing time, even though they have one guy who's going to be penciled as the DH almost every day. Like I'm fairly confident Aguilar gets the DH spot. 90% of the time when he's in the lineup. I would, all right, I would back that up. I think you're right. That's a, I'm trying to just try to, stati- like is Don Mattingly, Kim Ang, are they statistically inclined? And I think they're just kind of like, yes, a little bit, maybe right in the middle kind of thing. Not like crazy about it. So yeah, I mean, you, they were, I mean, you'd worry about Aguilar's defense basically is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, he's not a good, not a good defender, obviously not a good base runner either. Uh, so there's, there's that concern, but you know, he's, he's, He'll be the guy, but someone else is going to get the net playing time gain in all of this. Fair. Uh, I'm going to skip around a little bit. I want to talk Yadiel Hernandez uh, because he's a pet, he's a I don't know a favorite of mine, a pet project of mine. All right. I, I think this is the opportunity they needed. Uh, this DH here, all that guy does is hit, and then when they brought him up to the majors, all he did was hit, and they just ran out of space for him basically. Um, when Juan Soto was out, like Yadiel Hernandez kind of stepped in and went nuts a little bit. So. I feel like Yadiel Hernandez is going to be on every single one of my teams. He's basically one of those guys that doesn't really have an ADP. I'm sure it'll bounce up to like the 500s as people kind of sort out who's going to be DHing. But uh, I don't know. I know he's a little older, but he's seasoned. You know, he played in Cuba for a while. Great story. Smokes a cigar. You know, that kind of guy. Uh, I don't know, DVR. Like, am I? I'm sure you're going to come up with a couple names that are going to deflate all this fun of Yadiel Hernandez. But I bought his rookie card last week. Are you still buying cards? Have you bought anything lately? I'm monitoring lately. I think I forgot my password for eBay, and I'm too lazy to reset it. So, well, I mean, that's pretty easy. <laughs> there, there goes my collecting right there. That's oh, all it, it was fun for a little while when you're sending pictures and stuff. I'll, I'll try to get back into it. But uh, you want to so send me some money? I'll buy stuff for you. Uh, I'm good. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll find my password. I'll, I'll, I'll take my shots. But I appreciate <laughs> right, that. Fair. I appreciate your willingness to help the cause. I try. The thing that worries me about Yadiel Hernandez is, I mean, the age, sure, but more importantly, he hits the ball on the ground a lot for someone that you kind of need power from. So are we talking 15 to 18 home run power if he gets 500 plate appearances? Or do you, do you see more than that based on past track record? And I mean, the AAA numbers in 2019 were great, but as we know, 
AAA also used the Major League Lively Rabbit Ball that year, and that really boosted home runs in both AAA leagues. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, that kind of, I don't know. He, I think he can hit 23. How do you like that? You're at 23 if he gets 500 plate appearances. Yeah, and, and I put that as his base, actually. Like, I, I want to be more optimistic, but I don't want to be like the fanboy. Um, I think he could hit high 20s. I think if you give him regular bats where you're not moving him in and out of the lineup, you just let him be steady, you know, give him an outfield start two out of every seven days. Um, the batting average is going to be there. I mean, he hit 300 plus in the minors steadily. Like, it, he didn't have like those peaks and valleys. He was hitting like he's got a season with you know, 324. Oh, I forgot to remove foreign. Hold on one second. <laughs> they got me again, DVR. You clicked uh, on the ad again? But you know what? I should I should have this memorized, basically. I know what Yadiel Hernandez is. Home runs, yes. Handful of steals. Bunch of doubles. Um, and a, like a very good, a very, very good OBP. Um, you know, for your points leaguers out there. So, I don't know, man. I just think, like, who else is going to DH? Why wouldn't you throw in this guy? Who's performed at the major league level? I think the question playing time-wise comes down to whether or not they add another right-handed bat that they like. I don't think LCD's Escobar is a threat. Uh, I think that was a nice story that he made a comeback last year and played in the big leagues again, but not really projecting a lot of playing time there. I think the way it kind of works against Yadiel Hernandez, let's say Victor Robles is useful, good defender, and continues to at least, I don't know, keep the strikeout and walk rates where they were last year. And by the way, you, uh, I don't know if you told me this in confidence, but you wanted to, you were talking about getting one of his cards. You're a believer in Victor Robles, as am I. There's not enough of a discount, though. I was surprised the prices haven't changed that much, even though the fantasy community's bailed, the baseball card community seemingly hasn't yet. So, uh, you know, if you get like the right combination of like limited print run and autograph is going to make anyone's card expensive. It's stupid. Expensive. It's really stupid. Well, you just you got to look around, man. Poke around. Get like, you know, a different get a different line. I think Robles is kind of the key here. Like if you if you like Robles, I think it's hard for these two guys to coexist because if Robles is playing well, he's the everyday center fielder. Yep. And if he's the everyday center fielder, Lane Thomas, who's a righty is a platoon partner for Hernandez, if not something more. It really depends on also what they do in left field. They have Andrew Stevenson there. I guess you could platoon Stevenson and Thomas in left and use Hernandez and someone off your bench as your primary DH. That's that's possible. But between... Ro- Good old roster resource has Lane Thomas starting and hitting leadoff in left field with no platoon. There's no platoon coloring in under the bats column. It's possible. Where he's being drafted, I think people are drafting him like he's going to play every day or close to it. And Lane yeah. Thomas actually seems like a guy you would like. So I'm a little surprised you're not into Lane Thomas. I mean, I'm kind of into Lane Thomas. <laughs> Why? Is this going to be uh, Jared Walsh all over again? Where I really I, start I think, looking at him live on the show and feel like an idiot because I didn't realize he had these amazing minor league numbers? Well, yeah, look at some of the, the minor league numbers that he had in St. Louis. There was some power. There's a little bit of speed. The, the efficiency as a base stealer hasn't ever really been great, but he runs. And the Nats are one of those teams, like, offensively, they're... They're pretty top-heavy, so they, they need to find ways to score runs. They need to, they need to let guys like <laughs> Thomas on. I'm back run. on Creepy Co. Hold on one second. <laughs> you, you got to stop clicking that ad. Can't you get an ad blocker or something? Or can I, you pay for know, baseball Actually, reference not. premium or something? Like what Was it like $5 a month? I don't know. I, try, I think I tried it once, and it didn't. I don't know what happened. Oh, it's StatHead. That's what they do. They sell the StatHead thing. 
Does that take the ads away? Eh, anyway, we'll figure that out. Anyway, later. yeah, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> you you made see. it out of the web. No, Lane Thomas, not a high enough batting average to be one of my guys. Sorry, Diver. Uh, I mean, okay. I need to see, I need to see like a career minor league batting average of like 285 or above. And I, he's never even hit. Well, he had 281 his very, very first year in 2014. It's been a lot of 250, 260s in there. Better barreler with more hard hit rate than than Yadiel, though. So I don't I, you. How dare you, sir? I, I think if you have to choose between the two, there's there's a reason why Thomas is carrying like a 250 ADP and Hernandez is forgotten about. But I don't, I don't I, think you have to choose between the two. No, no, you're you're not. But I think playing time might just be one over the other. And I think they, I think they have a preference for Thomas. He's about seven years younger, so that's a factor too. If you believe, uh, well, Fangraphs roster resource, I got Thomas hitting leadoff in left field all by himself. Hernandez is the platoon partner with Riley Adams somehow at DH. That's yeah, I guess right, maybe. And they got Stevenson just sitting on the bench. Oh, that's where Lucius Fox. No, they're they're I a candidate. Baltimore the, released Lucius Fox. The Nats are definitely a candidate to add some sort of cheap random bat to the equation to make this worse. Like you look at their pitching rotation and you look at the lineup and you just kind of like I don't know man maybe they're resetting you know Michael Franco could hang around maybe as the small side platoon Ugh, just it's a weird team it is a weird team how do you have a lineup with Josh Bell Alcides Escobar Cesar Hernandez Juan Soto and Victor Robles man what a weird assortment because people like Kiber Ruiz. It's like eating Sour Patch Kids and uh, like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups at the same time. Sounds gross. I mean, explain this lineup to me in better terms. Do you want to? You want your like mouth to pucker up while you're eating peanut butter? No. I'm just saying it's it's an odd mix of things. It might be things that are good on their own, but you mix them together and it's kind of it's kind odd. of a disaster. Uh. I can't tell people to go draft Yadiel Hernandez outside of nl only leagues as a reserve and maybe again in that round 40 and later sort of range throw throw a hit or dart there but playing time could just evaporate and it doesn't take a lot for it to happen unfortunately and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free hey frank a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct tv what's the little birdie was it jimmy the sparrow it's a figure of speech point is you can stream direct tv over the internet now oh sure next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people right <laughs> you mean airplanes stream direct tv without a satellite dish visit directtv.com high speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply Let's move to a team near and dear to you, the Milwaukee Brewers, because they have an interesting mix of big bats right now. Like Hunter Renfro, Rowdy Telez, and Keston Hira, who I'm counting as a big bat because I think he can still do it. Um, is this what Keston Hira needed? Like just to like, you know, reset his brain a little bit and be DH for a little while and just hit? I, I think the thing with Hira, when they drafted him a few years ago, there was the concern about the health of his arm, right? So they were worried about him throwing and that's sort of how he ended up at second base and defensively that never seemed to work they tried to move him the bigger problem became his swing he had a toe tap and a leg kick will salmon wrote about it for the athletic he's tried to revamp his swing with his longtime hitting coach this offseason you know we'll see if it pays off I, I think what he was able to do with a pretty unorthodox swing in terms of the quality of the contact he was making is interesting enough to throw the dart where he goes the playing time here I think this is great news for Rowdy Telez. Without Universal DH, Rowdy Telez 
is really more of a big side platoon first baseman that you take out of the game in late innings for anybody with a better glove. Right. So he loses late game plate appearances. Now, I think there's a much better chance that he gets to 500 plate appearances than there was previously. So he gets a little bump. Here has got a path to coexist with Rowdy. And then I think because of the age of Lorenzo Cain and some of the wear and tear injuries he's had, someone like Tyrone Taylor can play a little bit more too. Like He's going to play more than people think anyway, but I think he'd be another guy that gets a little bump as a result of one more, one more pl- uh, slots worth of at-bats being available. Look at this Brewers lineup. And I don't know like I I don't know why this caught my eye, but the how acquired column like they their only homegrown talent is Tyrone Taylor. It's free agent trade 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 free agent trade uh, drafted. The position player development has been lacking a bit. But if you're trading pieces and getting back the players they've been able to get back, then you can get away with it. And if you're developing pitching as well as they have, you know, more power to you. They drafted Burns. They drafted Woodruff. They traded for Peralta, I think, when he was in rookie ball. Hauser was a part of the Carlos Gomez deal. That's kind of like an extra wow, guy. Carlos Gomez, yeah. They drafted Aaron Ashby. Uh, they're, they're finding relievers on the scrap heap, too. Like, they're finding the flat ground app guys and, and you know, turning them into big league arms. Like, Justin Topa was kind of a meaningful reliever for them, right? So they, they've got some interesting like development skills as an organization with pitching, but they have struggled on the hitting side, probably similar to Cleveland, I guess you could say, right? Cleveland has that same sort of reputation. Oh, yeah. DVR, wait a second. I'm sorry to interrupt this. Do you know who they have in their minor leagues as non-roster invitees? Oh, David Dahl might be no. one you're interested in. Yeah. Tyler White and John Singleton. 30-year-old you like, you John like all those Singleton. Guys. Wow. Yeah. Could you imagine that with a DH? Could you imagine... John Singleton making this team and just banging out a billion home runs. Uh, I mean, I, I that guy could. got the most unfair shake because of the weed rules they used to have. This is true. This is very true. What's the, John Singleton? What's he been up to? I'm sorry, man. I'm going, uh, to, creep, I'm going to creepy code to look up John Singleton. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna click on the ad again. Just keep <laughs> just keep sending ad money over there. I know I should go. You know what? I'm just so used to baseball reference. I try to go to fan graphs, and it's just so much easier for me to like just look at and, and interpret. I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Constantine, or I guess read the graphic novel? I, that, I have not. I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't think it's a spoiler, but the priest like you know, like goes into a trance and runs his hand over the newspaper and just kind of like you know it, it takes it in. That's how I feel like with Baseball Reference. Like I could just my eyes go back in my head and I just feel the screen and like I know exactly where everything is. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I, People who've I seen think, Constantino know what I'm talking about. No, I think I understand, even though I haven't seen the movie or, or read the graphic novel. But uh, Singleton played in Mexico last year. Had you beat a me three, to it. I'm on Capital One. <laughs> I'm he had done. a 321, right, 503, 693 line. Yeah, sign up for a new checking account while you're there. Uh, 15 homers in fewer than 200 plate appearances. I mean, this is... They used to do this thing in Arizona, first pitch Arizona for a few years. I think it was back when the the Black Swan movie came out. You know, the Mila Kunis and who's, there's someone else in that movie. Anna Kendrick? No. no it wasn't Natalie her. Portman. Yes. Those, wasn't it so, just Natalie Portman? I don't think Mila Kunis was in that movie. I I, I think there were two prominent, like it was just, the, the story is about, I never saw the movie. It's about two people like fighting. And then anyway, the, the Black Swan Caucus was this thing at the, first pitch Arizona where it was like who's the player that's going to come out of 
absolute nowhere. You were right. And come back. And Jonathan Singleton is that kind of player. I think at that time, this was several years ago, it was like, you know, Mike Morris was coming off of a PED suspension. You could throw a guy like that out there. It, it, It often was someone that played in Korea or Japan was coming back or someone that had been hurt for multiple years. And it was just like, who could catch lightning in a bottle with the opportunity? Okay, so here's my question for for you, because this is huge for people out there in really, really deep leagues. It's your last pick in a draft and hold. And Yadiel Hernandez is sitting out there, and John Singleton sitting out there in round 50. No, you that's, only not, can fair. Have that's one. not a fair question. You can only have one. Who that's are you not, taking? No, because Yadiel Hernandez has a starting job in the major leagues, and John Singleton is... I don't want to say to- I mean toiling, but I mean he's. You, you, you think you think he has a starting job in the major leagues? Pretty sure. Like Yadiel Hernandez, I would have taken right around forty or maybe forty-one to make sure we got him. Because someone else, <laughs> look, someone else who's hot on him is a DH. We'll take him. I'm, I'm very worried about ADP right now, especially with National League players. Like guys could get sniped a hundred picks earlier just because someone has a projection, then they like him, they want to make sure they get him. I think everyone right. should be very worried about that. I don't think it's happened yet, but I think it will. So if you're in a draft with me, I guarantee you it will. Well, so yeah, I would take Hernandez in like four, uh, 41, 42. Does that make everyone feel better? And then maybe John Singleton in 50. 50, yeah. A very last pick. It's, but it's a great story to track. But I also, I, I also <laughs> love no Rowdy Tellez. But there's no world in, in which both of those guys are on the active roster when the season begins, right? Oh, that, that's yeah, 100%. not going to happen. Like There's room for one, maybe. And then there's David Dahl. Yeah, there's David Dahl. Man. I, I like David Dahl for a long time. Who's your minor league uh, scouting director? It's, it's, it's like me. It's like, <laughs> it's my fever dream. I don't realize it. I'm actually working for the Brewers. Yeah, they've been hacking your emails for yeah, uh, I mean, a long time. <laughs> Someone chloroforms me at 8 o'clock and just says, give me four names. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up disheveled. <laughs> and suddenly John Singleton is on the Brewers. Sounds about right. Yeah. Wow. All right. Me likey. Whatever. I don't know, DVR. Who's the Brewers AAA affiliate? Nashville. You're going to spend some time in Nashville this summer? Uh, you yeah, might be able to Washington. see all those guys all playing together. That's what I'm saying. This is like when the all the youngsters were in the Toronto minor leagues together in the AA team. <laughs> it's like that, but they're all yeah, Exactly. All right. <laughs> Next team. We got to wrap this up soon anyway. I uh, I made a promise to my wife that we could watch an episode of Rome. You ever seen Rome? Nah, you know I haven't seen that. Why? It was a, a lot of a lot of nudity. When is the last time you named a show, a book, or a movie, and you say, "Hey, DVR, have you seen this? Have you read this?" And I said, "Yeah, I've seen that." I don't know. Yeah, you can't think of one. Is it because you don't, or we have varying tastes? Uh, probably a little bit of both. That's fair. What are you watching right now? What am I watching right now? Uh, last thing I watched, Dairy Girls on Netflix. That's an odd choice. I heard it was really good, though. It's actually really good. I, I, did, I didn't pick it because I, I didn't know what it was about. I just saw like the tile on the screen. I'm like, I don't think that shows for me. And Steph read something about it. No, she saw on the Great British Baking Show, two of like two or three of the actresses from the show were on that show. She goes, I think we should watch this. This seems like it might be funny. And we threw it on. It's like, actually funny show i i found it enjoyable someone told me about it a long time ago and i searched for it as d-a-i-r-y girls yeah it's not a show about girls from wisconsin uh you know working on the dairy farm or anything like that it's uh kids growing up during the troubles i believe yeah yeah uh is there anyone you want to pick off here on this list we haven't talked about we got some dodgers we got garrett cooper there's the mets but i think the mets are pretty obvious 
Um, we have a line that says, who is Matt Veerling? Uh, there's the Padres. There's the Pirates with Cole Tucker. Um, and then the Padres. Yeah, Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. Pirates, Padres, San Francisco. Or, or a team that's not listed. Well, Al and I were looking at the NL West earlier this week. The Padres are not built for DH at all as it stands right now because a lot of their depth, I mean, yeah, Ha Seung Kim plays more. People move around. That's one way to float it. Or they're playing backup catchers more. Like that's their best extra hitters are mostly catchers. It actually made me more excited about Austin Nola and his role, his volume of playing time could be up as a result of this extra spot. Uh, but you look at, like Luis Campusano, like maybe he can catch more because they can move catchers around. Like how much do they trust Jorge Alfaro's bat? How much do you trust Jorge Alfaro's bat? He still has catcher eligibility for now, but there was a point where he was described as having the worst plate discipline in all of professional baseball. <laughs> Who said that? Eno. It was Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs. It, it wasn't. It wasn't just a person being mean. It was a person who watches a lot of baseball who could actually make the claim. And I thought, well, that's. That's damning. Like this, this guy has the worst plate discipline in all the professional baseball, and you might not be wrong. He's run a thirty percent K rate four straight seasons in the big leagues, and he has been under a five percent walk rate that entire time. That is very bad. Maybe he just needs the right organization to unlock his talent. It's the same as the fascination with Profar, though, right? Because AJ Preller was in Texas when both of those guys were originally signed. That's, That's the connection. Yeah, that's that's the fascination. That's why Profar keeps getting chances. By the way, talk about a team with a lot of trade and free agents. This is trade, 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 free agent, free agent, trade, 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 free agent, and the rotations trade, 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 free agent. There is not a lot of homegrown talent here. Yeah, it's a a trade happy league. Trade, trade, purchased, free agent, free agent, trade, amateur FA, trade, free agent, trade, trade, free agent. Who is the Padres' homegrown talent here? I mean, I know they got C.J. Abrams coming up. Did they get credit for Tatis? Mackenzie Gore, who I still love. Oh, yeah, Tatis. For trading for him when he was really young? Like, that's the thing, I guess, yeah, about that trade. Count. That was, yeah, it was 2016 when they got him on the trade. Like they, if, you, if you crush another team in a trade and a guy's at rookie ball when you make the deal, you, that doesn't count. I can't you count. saw something yeah. and developed the player more than his original team did because they're the ones that gave up on him. The White Sox. Boy, I bet they want that one back every day. <laughs> Maybe. Um... Hey, by the way, our uh, our guy Eric Drobny went to the Tops. Tops was released today. There was a big party last night in L.A., and he uh, he got a Fernando Tatis autographed, like number eight out of ten that they were just giving to people as they walked in the door. They're giving away the random cards with a 1987 border. They like gave that? they gave that away. They were obviously they gave away ten of them. Um, wow. And they had uh, ten Wanders autographed 1987. Like, they were just a bunch of 10 of 10s they were giving away to people who came to the party. Jeez. And it's stamped with the Topps premiere party on it, too. That would have been a nice party to go to. Right? You could have gone, actually. You probably could have hooked it up. I get invited to stuff like FSGA conferences, and I'd rather get the free baseball cards. Do you want to go to Cleveland on Friday for the All-Star game? There's a bar that I know of that I can get you into. That's recreating uh. the NBA Jam. It's called Boom Shakalakas. Sounds for real. Awesome, but it DJ is Cleveland Jazzy Jeff is February. playing Friday night. <laughs> it would probably be one of the best parties I've ever been to because I haven't been to that many great parties, but uh, I can't make it on Friday. All right, man. If you change your mind, let me know.
All right. Well, I got company coming into town, so I, it'd be rude for me to like, <laughs> I gotta sneak hey, out to Cleveland like, for a night. To, to literally pick people up from the airport, be like, I'm going to drop you off in my apartment. Have fun while I'm gone. I'm going to Cleveland for the weekend. I like Cleveland. I think we've been through this. Yeah, no, I think I think all of the Rust Belt cities get an undeserved bad rap from people generally who have not spent a lot of time there. Agreed. People like Ian Khan. <laughs> all right, go do your Ariel Cohen. We got to go. I can't. I, I can't. I'm not. A, I'm not like a. I'm not a well-trained dog. I can't. I can't do the voices on command. Ah, uh, fine. Uh, for the man who <laughs> refuses to do an Ariel Cohen, and we're gonna ruin the streak now of 700 straight shows of an Ariel Cohen impersonation. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it feels so weird not doing it for the man for Ian Khan, but. He'll be back next show. We love you all. We hope this is helpful. We finally got to the DHs, although not all of them. Um, by the way, uh, fantasypods at theathletic.com. Feel free. Like, as you can tell, we haven't read an email in like four weeks because we haven't gotten any. So uh, chances are, if you ask, we'll answer. Um, be part of the show. Thank you all. We love you all. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.